1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thank you to Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, for hanging out a little extra uh, since we only got a couple topics in so far. And I have some other stuff prepped that I want your opinion on, uh, Mark. But I, I want to uh, answer a question from a texter uh, that just came in, and you can text 309-340-4464. On the last hour, Mark and I were talking about masks, vaccines, all kinds of things. Um, and one texter asked me, was my position that I was taking on the show that everyone should have worn a mask? Absolutely, it was not. Uh, I do not think anyone was wrong for any decision they chose to make in that world, even when it was going on. And I do think a lot of what happened in our society was wrong in the way in which, whether it's a mask mandate, vaccine mandate, whatever the things were, uh, were things that were, were happening. We, we lost a lot of freedoms as a society, and that was wrong. That shouldn't have happened. And at every point, even when I was on the air at that other place with you, Mark, I advocated for the opposite of what I was choosing to do in my own personal life because I did believe that those things were a choice. Uh, I don't want anyone to think that what I was trying to say and the argument Mark and I were having was in any way reflective of me saying that any of those decisions, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, whatever, were right. They were easily, easily wrong. Uh, it's just my own personal decision well, you know, to do one thing or the other. The, 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 my point in bringing up the mask is that it's an easy illustration of the kind of uh, mass control event Mm-hmm. It's not so much about wearing the mask. It could it could be it could be having everybody you know wear walk around in their underwear all day. Sure. It's it's like they somehow got everybody to do stuff something because people didn't question it and they were okay with some far off person in an office telling them what to do yeah. when it hadn't been legislative uh, legislated constitutionally. Yeah. You 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 can't you can't allow people to control you like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a question of whether the mask was going to keep you well or not. It's about hey, yeah. you just can't tell people to do something right. and make well, them do it and shut yeah. down their business right. and take their life uh livelihood away from mm-hmm. them. You can't do that. And it was just absolutely amazing to me to watch people go along with that. Well, I would say that a lot of the businesses who made decisions to tell you that you got to wear a mask to come into their store had every right. That's not something that, that gets that's legislated. That's not my point. I know that's it's not, not my point. point. But I, it's the arguing back and forth that happened, and I don't you mean don't to make to it go, sound... You don't have to do business with them. I know. Well, and I, the point I was trying to get to in saying that now is the difference in society today compared to then is you see the reaction to some of the these, um, these desires to say more than just say Didn't sell you think beer. It was sus- hold on, wait, hold on. Um, Bud Light is getting a reaction that demonstrates mm-hmm. that people are no longer willing to just ignore whatever it is they disagree with, but actually using their consumer power to reinforce a position that you are making a mistake if you do this or do that. So when everything was going on as far as masks again, which we're overcomplicating something that's years now uh, past and probably not a valuable thing to waste more time on, uh, but the companies had every right to decide what they were doing to do. And, and if you chose to wear or not wear a mask when you walked into, say, a Target or wherever you're going, a Walmart, um, that wasn't something that needed to go through the government. And certainly the companies were making their decisions because of what the government was saying. But it, it's irrelevant uh, because... Oh, no, it's very relevant because yeah. didn't you think it was suspicious and, frankly, uh, illegal? to say the mom and pop store had to be shut down but the big box store could stay open and do as much business yeah, as they that, wanted that, that seemed wrong yes that that easily seemed wrong and i think the the reason why that sort of stuff happened uh, was because of the power of the big uh, giant companies 
to essentially refuse to shut down and the mom and pop sh- stores not having the same uh, ability. But I, I don't know. Anyway, the I liquor feel like, stores were allowed to stay open. Yeah, I, I feel like at this the point... The pot shop, the shops were allowed to stay open. I feel like at this point it's more relevant to talk about today. And today I think I see a lot of examples of people pushing back. Um, and this might go to what you're talking about too and the lessons learned and what they are and the right way to push back. I think the fight against Bud Light and the desire, or I keep using that one example, it's just easy because they're getting destroyed. I saw a report well, today. Uh, Target's on the verge of having Target's, that happen, too. Yes, Target's doing uh, quite poorly, too. Um, but um, uh, what I think is interesting about it, and there's another report today about just how bad it's been for Anheuser-Busch, is that this is what people were asking for someone to fight or not fight in the world of the mask mandate, and it's happening the way that it should happen, where if you tell us to do a thing or you try to prop up something that we don't agree with or don't know why you're saying it, we're just going to not buy your product, and then you're going to suffer as a business. When the masks were required... People should have stopped going to these stores, and it should have been in the news every day that these, this store and that store is plummeting the way that Bud Light is, but it wasn't. So for whatever reason, uh, those things were, were at least the, the litmus test, the learning, whatever you want to call it, the, 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 the trigger to where we are now in some of the things that are happening today. Uh, I want to move on, though. There's other stuff out there. I want to play this for you, actually, Mark. I love this audio. I'm assuming you're going to love this audio. Uh, this is the President of the United States talking about how he was not going to compromise in the debt ceiling. And he didn't compromise, by the way, in the debt ceiling negotiation, but then also that he definitely compromised and was willing to work on the budget conversation, which to him is somehow different. Here's what it sounded like. President, you said at the beginning that the debt ceiling was not negotiable. Isn't that what you've just done here? And isn't that you guys, look, we're not negotiating the debt ceiling. Here's the deal. They passed, they said they're going to, they passed the debt ceiling. <laughs> and they said they'd only do it on condition that it have all these cuts in it. Uh-huh. I said, I'm no. not going to do that. You pass the debt ceiling, period. I'll negotiate with you on the cuts. <laughs> what you say, what? what's going to happen, what, what, what the budget's going to look like. Uh-huh. That's what we are negotiating in order to get to them. I can play another minute of this. This is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard a person say. No, much I understand less the what he's saying. saying. I, understand, no, I, what I understand, saying. understand what he's saying. He's saying that they're independent issues, he but wants, they're negotiating He wants together. a number, and then he'll negotiate on how they spend that money. Right, yeah, how they spend that. Well, also... Because it just, it's money laundering, Craig. Well, it also, to me, seems like a guy who's unwilling to take a loss, and a lot of politicians are unwilling to take a loss, and so he's finding trying to find a really stupid reason to feel as though he's not losing because he is being forced well, all these, to negotiate these to get the debt ceiling these 20 shell companies that he has his name attached to they have to get their money from something and he's got to negotiate that <laughs> all i would say in response to all this is is how is this guy electable i don't uh especially uh moving forward he's not I, I i would think that he can't be i would think that there's no scenario he wasn't well okay i know i know we'll get into some of that um, well, well if you have to ask ask that question you're actually telling yourself that something crazy happened well the spotlight is on him now though because he's in the role now yeah. I, I don't want to uh, pivot to a conversation that, that no but you asked yeah. the question well i i asked and the answer is he's not. The question I asked is how is he electable now? I, I think the funniest thing that's going on in a lot of media when you're talking about Trump or DeSantis or any of that uh, is the likelihood that either of those guys could lose to Biden because it's it seems impossible. And it seems like things like this are such an easy demonstration of it because he's he's you so... You understand what you're proving here. I understand what I'm talking about looking forward. I'm not talking about looking backward. I don't want uh, the conversation of today to feel like it's reflective of the conversation of yesterday because yesterday we were in a different situation. Biden was not in a position to fail as spectacularly as he's failed in the role he's in now. I think more people... Come on, look at his rallies. How many 
many people were at his rallies. I would say this, man. I think more people who may have voted anti-Trump regret it. I think a lot of people uh, probably regret it because of the world that they're in right now and the way in which this just seems like such a stupid thing. And by the way, I actually want to pivot to something hey, else. By the way, this yeah. debt ceiling thing, mm-hmm. this it's not going to happen. Well, I was going to uh, – that's what I wanted to pivot to as far as the other part of the conversation. Is there a likelihood that a lot of Republicans actually do prevent this from being an agreement, whether it's the Rules Committee or some other way? And then actually even call for McCarthy's head. I can play you audio of Chip Roy, uh, who's been out there and has been saying a lot. And this to me, this happened on Fox. I think this happened uh, maybe last night is the clearest demonstration because there's there's fiery Chip Roy. If I want to go find it for you or for anyone listening. But this is the most clear demonstration of why the the simple desire to spend less money in our government is the ask of the Republicans who are being called radical Republicans. We don't want to keep barreling toward terrible financial mistakes, and I think most Americans agree with it. Uh, here's Chip Roy on Fox. And according to the Treasury Secretary, is Monday. That doesn't give you much time. Yeah, I mean, well, they should have thought about that before 104 days went by where <laughs> Joe Biden didn't do anything at all and True. before a deal was cut going into Memorial Day weekend without all of us around the table deciding whether this was in the best interest of the United States of America. Just because the swamp is flawed doesn't mean the average hardworking American should take it on the chin. Why should they accept that? We could pass right now, sweep the COVID money, sweep the IRS money that was, you know, to expand the IRS to go after the American people, three to five times more going after minorities and hardworking Americans who are poorer than the wealthy and the and non-minorities. Why don't we take that money, give Janet Yellen what she needs for some breathing room in June and July, and then let's actually pass a responsible debt ceiling increase. I know the Wall Street Journal is editorializing in favor of it, but again, I know why. It's because they're looking at it in terms of these check-the-box wins. <laughs> Look at the curve. The American people now, the government is 40% bigger than it was pre-COVID. Let's go back to pre-COVID right. levels. of Let's stop it all right here. No, that's that... exactly what this is about. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's to go back to pre-COVID spending levels. Right. And, and even more so than that, he used two examples of giant government spending uh, initiatives there were many, that there were... make no sense to the American yeah. people. Uh, putting a bunch more money in the hands of the IRS to, quote, get um, millionaires and billionaires to pay their fair share isn't what's going to happen with all of that money and, and all those agents. Good, it won't do any good either. And I'll give you an example of why. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to somebody's show. Uh, I don't remember who it was, and it was a national figure. Mm-hmm. And they were reading uh, from an article. I think it might have been in the Los Angeles Times, but a, a California. And it was a California newspaper, a big California newspaper. And the reason it was a big California newspaper mm-hmm. is it was citing statistically where California has lost tax revenue since all this COVID stuff started and since they allowed all these illegals and that cities have gone to hell, San Francisco, Los Angeles, even San Diego, mm-hmm. Sacramento. So what they found was, because Gavin Newsom was complaining publicly that we have to raise taxes because we've lost too much tax revenue. Yeah. And the reason they've lost too much tax revenue is because they found out that and uh, an, a, a very high percentage of the tax revenue they've lost are from these millionaires and billionaires who are leaving. Who are leaving, right? Right. <laughs> 
So they're going somewhere else. They're either moving to Florida. They're moving to Texas. They're moving to Washington State has no state income tax. They've lost all this tax revenue. It's not... It's not Joe Sixpack, the guy who goes to work, does the Mm -hmm. nine to five every day or works the second shift at the local manufacturing plant. It's the people that they're saying that they're. And so guess what? Guess what happens when that happens? The people that have to foot the bill and pick up the slack are the people who are in the middle class and their taxes eventually go up. So it's not going to hurt the mill. You know, when these people use the talking points about we have to tax the millionaires and billionaires, you're not going to tax them because... We will the, fail. More, the more money you have, the more yeah. ways they have all stuff to I've get said, around yeah, it. 100% agree with you. All stuff I've said before in the show, Mark, and all stuff I, I absolutely think that we have a no a version of disagreement on, uh, which is great. Uh, but even more so, and I think this is true of anyone, I don't care what your political position is. I don't care where you're at as far as your financial situation in life. If you were to say that we spent a lot more money during the the certainly earlier parts of COVID, and then it sort of kept up as more and more people thought COVID was over and the government was trying to say it wasn't. And now today we're trying to still spend the same amount of money. That doesn't make sense to any American to say that any actual everyday walking around the street American to say that the government needs the same amount they needed then to handle something that was as, as crazy and unprecedented and certainly very much contested now as it was. And yet that's the position we're in. And the radical Republican who's being accused by mainstream media of being unwilling to compromise, even McCarthy's compromise, that seems like it's a bit too much uh, to a lot of people is in line with the idea that the government deserves as much money as they deserve to protect uh, whatever uh, they were trying well, to protect during well, COVID. You have to it's come, insane. You have to come to the realization that all these things that you and I talk about, these corporations suddenly becoming woke and pushing things on people, that they're being subsidized to do that. And that's where the money's coming from. And your taxes, when you go to work every day, are being used against you. Okay. That's I, what's going on. I, I they want to continue all of these cockamamie yeah. programs and everything right. else that they're doing. Right. I, I, you're not the only person who says, stuff. I don't have the receipts uh, to back up all the things. Well, that they're we're not going to give them to you. Right. That's what, what those retracted reports are all about. They're going to keep those without, in the background. Without the receipts, I don't feel comfortable myself <laughs> believing that I know definitively what's happening. Well, but I, I will say this. I, say, hold on. I will say just this. Just look at all the things that they've been doing to yeah. us that they yeah. weren't doing before COVID. Yeah, no. I, they, I, have to keep, they have to sure. keep paying for that. I, what I was trying to say and what I, what I do believe to be true is the government is certainly greedy, and they're certainly finding some way to try to stack the deck and, and put more money into the pockets than they, they need. How about they Wherever take the money that they're gone. sending to Ukraine sure. and give it to Janet Yellen? Well, sure. Whatever we want to want to say is a, is a response to this situation, but the, the truth is that most people would agree that we don't need the same amount of funding in our government today that we needed during the height of the pandemic when we were having things get shut down and everything else was going on, and that's the heart of the argument. And so when Republicans are out there, the Chip Roy's of the world, and much more animated and saying things, and I have a bunch of audio to play later on in the show, and then cast as the problem and not the solution to the problem, I think that we're over-complicating um, what to very, very many Americans is very, very simple. Do you think, and actually there's a poll that, that backs this up, I think like 70% of people uh, answered it the way I'm going to say. Do you think the government needs as much money now as they needed during COVID? And people say no. 70% of people say there should be less spending. And yet... Uh, we should the, go back to 1950s levels. The deal in place right now is essentially the same amount of spending. And so uh, two simple demonstrations from a Chip Roy who's certainly being cast as a radical uh, far-right Republican by some. 
of how many, many people would get on board with with cutting back and and may, maybe actually benefiting uh, our economy quite a bit because cutting back right now, you would think, would improve the amount of inflation and other challenges we're facing. Um, so there's a lot of people that believe that it would be better for you and I and everyone. And so it's just, it's just amazing to me, um, and I just wanted to have the simple conversation with you on the air, the way this gets twisted and turned and everybody says all these other different things about it, when it can be, sim- it can be stated that simplistically, and the goal of those who may actually wind up, if they can uh, uh, do it, forcing a miss on the on the debt ceiling increase would be doing it to essentially say that what you're asking for in government doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to give you the same COVID money, no matter where you're putting that dollar, as it did during COVID, even if, again, they weren't putting all those dollars in the places they should. You know, um, uh, the, the expenses that are essential for this country, mm-hmm. defense. They're cutting back in defense. Infrastructure. Too. Yeah. We do not need a federal income tax to fund anything like that. Mm-hmm. That yeah. can be done through tariffs, you know, tariffs uh, that are imposed on sure. other countries, yeah. which is actually how the founding fathers set this country up to be operated. The people, you know, the, the income tax was created, the federal income tax was created right around the time that the current Federal Reserve Bank was uh, just a little bit before that. Sure. And so I think what happened is... Once, like anything else in government, once you start something, it never goes away. Even right. though the income tax, the federal income tax, as it was presented to the people at that time, they were told this is temporary. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it was less than 1%. <laughs> yes, I totally agree with you that once they do something, they want to keep doing it forever. And that is the fight today at its most basic of levels. And somehow, uh, oddly enough, and actually one of the ways in which they are cutting spending is the defense budget, is investment in the Navy specifically. And Lindsey Graham is one of the most vocal people right now saying how that's a mistake via what China's doing. I have a question for you. Shoot, and then we'll take a break. And for everybody we're in the again. audience. Sure. Okay, during COVID, we watched the government, and they admitted to it. They printed a lot of money. I mean, they weren't actually printing it. It's digital. But yeah. they printed trillions and trillions of dollars. Yeah. So here's my question. For everybody out there, if they can print money, why do we need to pay them taxes? On that note, I won't a- try to answer that question myself. You answer at home however you want. Quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, doing extra uh, time hanging out with me. Thank you, as always, man. You do this because you're my friend. Uh, you come in, you yes. talk to me once a week. That's right. I invited you to it's be not, here. It's not to get my voice on the radio. Mm-hmm. It's not because I like to be on the radio. It's right. because you're my friend. Yes. You asked me to come on. Yes. And I'm happy to do it. Right. You come in as a guest. And as a. Because if I wasn't here, I'd be doing something else. As a professional broadcaster, uh, I don't get paid. Right. You do it just to be uh, my friend. So I I thank you even more. And hanging out extra late. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thank you, as always, to Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, uh, for hanging out and having a conversation with me and for staying extra long uh, this time and doing that. Uh, Some stuff out there. I'm just going to try to rapid fire through a bunch of things that I have sitting in front of me. And I heard Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins discuss this quite a bit today, too. Um, the the weird disparity, uh, the, well, purposeful uh, disparity in the way in which you're having a conversation about uh, a violent act that happened in Florida uh, over the uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, nine people were injured in a Hollywood Beach board, uh, broad, uh, excuse me, boardwalk uh, shooting. 
uh, including kids. Uh, I don't think anyone uh, died from the report that I, I saw, uh, but a lot of people were injured. And then the lack of coverage of Chicago shootings over the weekend, 53 shot, 11 people killed, and a Memorial Day weekend of gun violence in the city that is, I guess, a little bit, but not really all that unique uh, for a Chicago that sees this kind of thing uh, quite often. And, it, and it's odd, again, because it's the same time frame. Um, one is an act that happens alone, although there are times in Chicago where four, five, six, seven people uh, get injured during the same event as far as uh, a shooting is concerned. Uh, the victims in Chicago range from two to 77 years old for those that were injured or those that died. So every aspect of what's being talked about in Florida and even Gavin Newsom, I think, out of uh, California was saying that the reason that the Florida thing happened was a, a gun uh, law that DeSantis had changed. What's funny about that, and I'm not going to dive into all the minutiae of that because it doesn't matter, is the gun law that Gavin Newsom was saying DeSantis uh, changed to cause the violent act hasn't taken effect yet in Florida. So it's not even something that currently would have any relevance to anything in the world of gun laws in Florida because you're not following it, uh, which is just sort of stupid how arguments go in any kind of way. Uh, but all of this is sort of to, to demonstrate or to have a conversation about how uniquely broken uh, some aspects of how we talk about certain things are and some ways in which trying to protect those in our society, protect people on the south side of Chicago, protect kids, uh, two-year-old uh, uh, children, is just, it seems to be a non-issue uh, for those who are then uh, diving on and discussing other things that happen in our society and saying that this is such a clear indicator of what needs to or, or, or isn't happening and we need to change uh, in our society. And of course, Chicago also has some of the strictest gun laws in the entire country. And then even on top of that um, is this conversation now about people that are being used uh, by uh, J.B. Pritzker and by uh, others in Chicago to to be a task force, uh, more or less, uh, that would uh, the goal of it would be to try to uh, help a community uh, within a community. So you're, you're asking those to volunteer uh, to be what is essentially a police officer uh, within a community to try to enforce some level of of uh, community protecting itself. And the craziest part about it is one of these individuals who volunteered to be a, quote, peacemaker, uh, that's what they're calling it, was in the news over the weekend for doing horrible stuff. Uh, Oscar Montez is the guy's name. He's 31 years old. Uh, he had a yellow neon vest on uh, at some point, which, again, I guess indicates that you're a, a Chicago peacekeeper. Uh, but he violently attacked someone, uh, and it's just sort of... Um, uh, horrible, laughable. It's all, it's all kinds of things as far as a reaction to this story, um, because you essentially have propped up someone within a community that you say is more trustworthy, uh, or at least that it feels like the undercurrent of the message uh, than a police officer who's sworn to uh, protect and serve and, and trained. And then those individuals act poorly. And that conversation isn't uh, as as wide ranging as it should be. Uh, the victim sustained a serious injury to his eye, along with fractures, cuts, and bruises. Uh, on the attack, uh, Montez snatched the victim's cell phone and beat him with it, while an accomplice took the man's wallet. So they robbed a guy, and they did it while wearing a, a peacekeeper outfit uh, given to them by the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, uh, which is ju it's just insane. It, it's so odd to be at a place where these are the kind of conversations we're having and the neglect of one. Actually, you know what it reminds me of? And then I'll move on, but I thought it was uh, pretty interesting. 
Um, it's the Chris Rock joke that he made in his most recent special. And I know Chris Rock is in the news for something else uh, that I, I don't even totally know how much of it I understand, but we'll we'll try to get to that a little later on. Um, but and I don't know how significant the connection is, but it, it seems to be there uh, with a, a Epstein uh, and several other people. Uh, but anyway, Chris in his most recent special told a joke where he said Republicans lie. And he's not necessarily wrong about that. A lot of politicians lie. Certainly Republicans and Democrats lie. Uh, but since he's more Democratic, he then said, and Democrats leave, a, leave out key um, por, uh, parts of the truth, uh, key pieces of information to convince you of something. So they lie, too. Uh, they do it strategically. Uh, this conversation and the ongoing conversations about uh, gun control or about violence in our society are pick and choose which ones you want to talk about to further a narrative more so than pick and choose which ones you want to talk about because we think we can actually solve these problems. Uh, Chicago gun violence is almost entirely handgun, uh, almost entirely. Every single weekend, uh, the stories that uh, wind up being all over the news are almost entirely a certain type of, of weapon um, that is not talked about by politicians at all uh, because, of course, you'd never ban it. Um, but even more so than that, not talked about at all because it, it doesn't benefit anyone. So it's, it's just sort of insane uh, to see that conversation out there and to see the, the viral and inevitable story I think a lot of people would assume was coming when you prop up people in, in communities and you don't really know much about the people you're propping up and then they might abuse the power you've just given them. That's an odd – and it's, it's not really an official power. It's not like you're arresting people or anything like that as a peacekeeper per se, uh, but it, it's essentially the intention – is to try to tell people to stop violence by being within the community and 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 trying to stop it in one way or, or another, uh, which is essentially what police are supposed to be. Anyway, I'll move on. I also thought this was interesting. A group of uh, technology um, engineers, researchers, executives, experts in the field of artificial intelligence signed a simple one-sentence statement that said this, mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal risks such as the pandemics or nuclear war. So a whole lot of people, including the guy who invented chat GPT, uh, seem to feel as though the, the likelihood of AI at some point wanting to hurt humans is so significant that it needs to be addressed on that scale. Pandemics, nuclear war, etc., it reminded me of another person uh, that's very popular on the Democratic side, liberal side of the aisle as far as um, just a celebrity goes. Uh, John Stewart, who I talk about a lot on this show. Uh, John Stewart made a joke uh, while he was on Colbert, and he got a lot of hate from the left, who loves him a lot. And I do respect John Stewart um, um, a bit, uh, mostly for his uh, fight to try to help veterans and those from uh, 9-11. Uh, the first responders in 9-11, but he said that the end of the world will be some scientist in some lab somewhere saying, oh, cool, it worked, and then nothingness. Then we have horrible stuff happens. It sounds like AI is the latest version of the, oh, cool, it worked, and then nothingness. This is terrifying, and it should be terrifying. And I actually have talked quite a bit about having a smart home and uh, smart uh, you know, lights and all the stuff that I like a lot, but I'm, I'm very, very terrified of... Um, artificial intelligence that does more and more quicker and quicker and we just sit there and we're like wow 
We didn't know it could do all that that quickly. There's another story. I'll, I'll end on this one, and then I'll take a break. Uh, there's this lawyer uh, that's going to – and I can't remember where it is, and I don't have the story in front of me, which I, I shouldn't do this, but darn it, it's happening. And you can look it up yourself. Please do. Uh, there's this lawyer that decided to use ChatGPT to help him write something that he then uh, put in as far as a – a, a document he would base a case on. And so it cited precedent like this case and that case. And uh, the judge then read the whole um, um, uh, submission. I know I'm not using all the right words correctly. And apparently AI just made it all up. None of the cases are real. Everything's fake. And so the lawyer could lose his license. He might not be able to practice law anymore because he trusted artificial intelligence. And it just it just uh, did stuff, uh, stuff that didn't totally make sense and stuff that it just decided was needed. So why not? Let's go ahead and go this road since I can't research things. And so it's it's terrifying to me, but also somewhat hilarious, uh, the position we're in right now, where more and more, uh, however it, it occurs, the reliance on things that we don't understand is so high. And then the uh, fear that what we don't understand might wind up harming us is so significant uh, and yet it's somehow ignored. But all right, I'll take a break on that note. We'll lighten it up a bit. Uh, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. After the break, I'll tell you why people are dressing as mermaids. It's not just because of the new Disney movie. It's it's worse. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, top five at five coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, a mom was called cheap when she packed her toddler's lunch homemade when she took him out to a, a restaurant as part of a family. And I totally agree with her, by the way. I think this makes complete sense. Uh, but she said she put it up on social media. Uh, first mistake uh, that people make is uh, oversharing and then expecting the Internet to agree with you uh, when they don't. And a whole lot of people said that, come on, just buy your kids something in the restaurant. Uh, buy your kids something at whatever establishment you took everybody else to. Uh, why pack something for them from home so that they have to eat a prepared meal when everybody else gets the sweet, sweet deliciousness of whatever uh, restaurant or place they chose to go eat at. And she simply said that uh, children's food costs way too much money. That a lot of places you go to, uh, you're getting something you can easily make at home, and you're getting it for two or three times the price if you're buying it off the kid's menu. And if the kid doesn't care, and if I don't care, and if I save money and they get the same food, why does it matter? And I totally agree with her. Uh, if you're cheap, darn it, who cares, uh, is my response to mom uh, Carly and what she said uh, while well, she went viral and then got uh, told she was mean. Uh, someone even called it abuse, by the way. Uh, which is insanity. That's full-on insanity because uh, the kid was fed as everybody else was fed, and I believe it's a toddler uh, that was brought out to the meal, and the toddler picked the thing that they ate. So they, they picked what they ate before they left the, the house to go eat out anyway. I, I just I love the, the hot takes here. She goes, you want me to pay ten fifty for chicken tenders and fries that my son is only going to eat half of and throw on the floor uh, when I can just make that stuff at home for way cheaper and bring it out with me? Now, I don't think the restaurant's going to love it. I, I feel like they're going to have some complaints, uh, some issues about some of that. And I, I'm not uh, telling restaurants that they uh, can't complain if you bring some food from home. But I don't think the woman is, is anything other than a uh, uh, crafty and intelligent for the move they made there, and I like, and I don't even have any kids, so I'm I'm really just saying this as someone that's appreciating it from afar. Uh, I teased this before the break. Uh, apparently, there's a brand new hashtag on uh, social media, specifically on TikTok, uh, that's trending. It might not be new, I guess, but it's it's trending. Uh, called Mermaid Core. Oh man, I can't believe I'm talking about this on the radio. Uh, this is where you dress up and and pretend to to be a mermaid. 
Uh, you try to look like a mermaid. It's not tied uh, to the Little Mermaid uh, that did well at the box office. Uh, it is, in fact, people who want to, quote, escape from reality. And so it makes them feel alive. Uh, Gen Z is most associated with this um, recent social media thing. I looked at some of the photos of people that were trying to be as, as mermaid-esque as possible. And my only reaction to every part of this is that it's sad. It's sad that people feel a need uh, to do two things at the same time. Uh, want to escape reality, want to escape whatever might be going on in their own individual life, and then also try to go viral on social media, on the Internet, for doing the thing that they're trying to do to cope with whatever uh, mental health struggle they might be having. Because that's unique in our society right now, right? If people behind closed doors uh, were doing some kind of whatever it is you're doing uh, to try to deal with whatever the stresses are of your, your life, it wasn't exactly um, uh, common for you to try to uh, put all that in as many places as possible on the Internet and social media, wherever it is, uh, to get any sort of, of following and, and other stuff uh, from it. Uh, but the, the hashtag has skyrocketed 614% in popularity, uh, and this might be somewhat tied to the Mermaid movie. Uh, but these are people that just want to dress and look uh, like mermaids. I think our mental health problem is best demonstrated through this story uh, because of the the dual aspect of trying to whatever it is you're doing uh, handle some of the the uh, challenges you're facing mentally, uh, but then also having a unique desire to whatever it is uh, be exposed to and then uh, supported by whoever it is on your social media platform that you're on, and even hoping for some sort of unique additional popularity there. And if that popularity doesn't come, it might compound the challenge, the problem uh, that is the mental health struggle in the first place. And yet this is this is the newest trend out there in the world on the Internet. Uh, dress up and try to pretend you're a mermaid and escape reality. I don't judge people for what they choose to do in their own lives. I just think that this is a demonstration of why things get as difficult as they do for so many. And we have a lot of stats, a lot of data on uh, depression, on mental health challenges, especially for the younger, the Gen Z uh, generation that's that's referenced and mentioned here. Um, there's there's a lot of connection to social media, too. And I wonder if it's that that need um, that so many seem to have, especially uh, people that were raised in technology uh, to be supported by complete strangers uh, via the Internet and to have that support mean more than how you feel or think about yourself. Um, because I think that was the goal for a long time in the world of of uh, psychology, of, of counseling, is find a way for a person to be to be happy with themselves, with who they are, and not have some demand for everyone else in society to have a a, a feeling that mattered as far as you and who you. I don't know. It, it's just so interesting to me uh, to see how this is a, a latest trend and an, an odd trend at that. Uh, one other thing uh, that I thought was uh, interesting in the world of Gen Z. Uh, there's a bunch of stories out there, and probably millennials uh, are a part of this too. Who knows? Uh, but there's a new trend called bed rotting. This is where you stay in bed for longer than you should. Uh, you might even get a little quote gross in the process, but you're not you're not trying to stay there for days at a time. Uh, you're staying there for hours at a time. You wake up, you turn on TV, you you watch something, and you just uh, you and they say they're doing this for mental health or, or other reasons. Uh, you just try to start your day as slowly as possible. You behave like a teenager. Uh, basically, uh, no matter how old you are, no matter how much 
um, you have to do or how many professional things you're supposed to be a part of. Uh, you just you take a, a late Sunday, a late Saturday, a late Tuesday, and you rot in bed, and then you eventually get up and, and start your day. Uh, this is also a brand new uh, social media uh, trend, 305 million views uh, that people are saying is good, and then also uh, being put up on the Internet. I think that's it. I think that's the, the, the core of what I'm trying to say here is that I don't think it's a great idea if you're someone who has some sort of a mental health struggle of some kind to also hope for some sort of Internet success for how you're coping with your mental health uh, challenge, whatever it is. I think that's something that you could do better at if you internalize, if you individualize it, if you seek help from professionals, do all those things that people should do when you're struggling with mental health, and then not also look for a way to become a social media influencer because of it. That seems like the challenge uh, that is uh, causing so many to have, well, other issues.